Welcome to the Propel on Purpose podcast. I am on a mission to help first-generation founders build wealth through entrepreneurship and do so without sacrificing their well-being. I'm your host, Angelise Cordero, HR and leadership expert, Cuba-born Jersey girl, cafecito lover, dog mom to guava, newly minted fiance, and your HR business bestie. If you're a small business owner who's growing a service-based business, you're in the right place. We're here to talk business, self-care, and leadership to empower your high performance and happiness. Let's pop. Hello, business besties. I am thrilled to have this very important conversation with one of my newest business besties, whom I met through our fabulous BNI group, Alyssa Hecker of the law firm Alyssa D. Hecker. Alyssa is your go-to general counsel to small business, solopreneurs, and entrepreneurs, as well as entertainment counsel in the performing and visual arts, as well as for authors. Alyssa, welcome to the Propel on Purpose podcast. Hello, I'm so happy to pop. (laughs) (laughs) love it well i've got my cafecito ready to have this wonderful conversation with you so to get started please share with our business besties a little bit about yourself and your business journey well thank you so much for inviting me i'm really excited about this um as you said i i work mostly with small businesses um and folks in the creative industries i have uh I, after law school, I was in-house at a, a music agency for 10 years, and then I had my first child. I went out on my own. There was no flex time, um, and I've been in uh, a solo practitioner for 19 years since, wow. and I love the connection with the small business entrepreneur, solopreneur, creative folks. I'm very much of a relationship person, um, and I love being a lawyer, which you very rarely hear. <laughs> I love that. You definitely very rarely hear that. Well, I love helping my clients create things, make the world a better place, you know, fulfill their dreams. It's it's really exciting when you're when you're working with small businesses for the most part. uh, You're working with people. You're working with families. You're working on a personal level, and it's not big corporate, and that makes all the difference to me. Yeah, I was just about to ask for you uh, to share a little bit more about why you chose this area of focus for law. Um, So thank you for for starting that off and what you love about working um, with small businesses, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, authors and artists. That's such a great mix of folks to work with. So what, why those specific, that specific target and what do you love about this work besides what you just mentioned? Well, good questions. Um, on the entertainment side, uh, my father was one of the original members of the copyright bar in visual arts and stuff. So I grew up surrounded by creative folks. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the best photography that we had at my wedding were his clients, as opposed to the, fo- the photographers who we hired, um, because they know how to capture. Um, and I was also a dancer and choreographer growing up, and folks who are in the entertainment world are often closet dancers, singers, you know, we're all in the creative industries anyway, personally. Um, So knowing I wasn't going to be a professional dancer because I was not of the caliber uh, and it's also a very hard life. I wanted to do something where I can work within the creative industries and be able to help 
those who create do what they do best while helping them on the legal and business affairs side. So I know that they're protected um, because it's all about the intellectual property. It's all about the relationships. It's about the collaborations. What do you give away? What don't you give away? And that's very similar in the small businesses and my entrepreneur clients and my creative clients look at the world a very similar way. Um, and it's, it's a fresh vision. Very often I have a lot of clients who also, like I said earlier, want to make the world a better place. So they have kind of a mission in their businesses where they're doing things for the betterment um, of the world. And about a third of what I do is also pro bono. So I have a really soft spot for not-for-profits or folks who can't afford attorneys. Wow, that's amazing. I love the personal connection to your why um, and the purpose-driven nature of your business and how you pay it forward by doing pro bono work with nonprofits. So cheers to you for doing all of this incredible work. Thank you so much. Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to go through the Hispanic Chamber's entrepreneurship training program here in New Jersey which is actually for already established businesses. However, they went through some of the foundational steps, some of the critically important steps that all businesses should take to develop that solid foundation. And one of the speakers said that there are two things that business owners should not DIY, no do-it-yourself, or skim out on from an investment perspective, and that is a CPA and a lawyer. Now, for me, as a risk-adverse rule follower, I absolutely worked with an attorney at the onset of launching my business, but I have worked with well-established, profitable businesses who have not had used an attorney at the onset. Please share with our business besties tuning in, what are some of those foundational pieces that they should absolutely work on with an attorney, such as yourself? I am so glad you asked that question because very <laughs> often I get clients who come to me after they've done that and it's much harder to clean up the mess than it is to just start with it mm. properly. Um, the other thing is folks who with the DIY use legal zoom or cut and paste from the internet and that gets them into a lot of trouble and their specific businesses are not being protected because what they see out there, they don't necessarily understand or it conflicts with local law or state law. Um, so it is important to start. So if you're a business that's either just starting out or it has already been established and maybe scaling, or you want to do more of like a handshake deal kind of thing into official contracts, it's important to have a good corporate entity. And this is where the accountant comes into your lawyer and your accountant should be working as partners. Do you need an LLC? Do you need a corporation? Is it better to have a partnership? There are different tax and uh, legal liability obligations and requirements depending. Like if you have an LLC or a corporation, for example, you can avoid personal liability if somebody sues you, which means your kid's college fund, your car, your mortgage can't be touched if you don't violate the fiduciary duty to the company. You have specific obligations to the company. So it's always good to have a corporate entity structure to begin with. Within that, you have your operating agreement, which lays out the roadmap of the company. Um, and then going forward, if you are a coach or a consultant, for example, you should have a master's services agreement which lays out all of the legal terms for all of the agreements with your clients. And then specifically in that agreement on a Schedule A would be like your term sheet for that particular client, for that particular deliverable or deliverable. So you don't have to rewrite or renegotiate the contract every single time. If you have employees, if you have independent contractors, you should have an employee manual 
Um, you should have independent contractor agreements because, for example, if you have someone creating your logo or if you have someone writing copy for your website, if you don't have an agreement that includes work for hire language, you don't own it. So you need to have certain things in line uh, to make sure that you own all the intellectual property, that no one can take who's working for you or with you can take your stuff. And use it elsewhere for other people or other businesses, especially not competing businesses. Um, and basic things like that. Just just protection over intellectual property is strong. Trade secrets, obviously, and confidential information. Um, and also setting up your company in the right way. Do you have tiers within the company? Do you have management? Do you not? Do you want to make sure you have your registered with the IRS for your employee identification number? Um, so that way you don't have to use your social security number when you're, you know, submitting for taxes and stuff. So these are a lot of the, the basic starter kind of things. Wow. The oh, wait, and there's one more thing I forgot. I'm oh, sorry. If you have a website, your terms of use or your terms of service and your privacy policy, if you're collecting any personally identifiable information through your website, if you don't have a strong privacy policy in terms of service, which shows users what you can and cannot do on your website, um, then you can actually be potentially sued by several states in the United States and if you do business in Europe by uh, folks in the EU. So it's really important to know what you can do and what you shouldn't do. Wow. Well, that piece right there, that's a major, I like to call them pearls instead of gems. That's a major pearl because I actually didn't even know that. So I might need to talk to you separately about that because I'm not sure that I'm conscious of that piece. We'll make a whole pearl necklace. Have it <laughs> Full of pearls in this conversation. I love it. Uh, and then the other piece about copy pasting and folks just not being conscious of the differences in laws per state, that is crucial. It's interesting because I see the same mistake when it comes to working with small business owners from an HR perspective. You mentioned HR manuals. The amount of HR manuals that I have seen that are literally a copy paste from different Google sections, OMG, yeah. it turns out to be a DIY hot mess with yes. jargon that is not digestible for employees. And then they wonder, it's like, oh, why is this person consistently breaking this policy? It's because they don't understand the policy. You yeah. literally copy pasted something that sounded like it made sense and it doesn't for your business. So I, I see clients do the same thing from an HR perspective. They mm -hmm. do it for the hiring process and the interview questions. So I obviously think HR is also one of those critically foundational partners yes. that everybody <laughs> should invest in. Um, but for I'm sure. curious if you have any stories or an example of what can happen if business owners don't use the right legal jargon in their contracts, forms, etc. Yeah, I have a lot of examples, unfortunately, of clients who came to me after the fact to help fix things. One is if you don't I have like I should um, get popcorn out. <laughs> well, we're popping. Um, one is if you don't have provisions that discuss your confidential and proprietary information, um, banks can even take it with them. So you can it can be used in New York State now, pending the signature from the governor. You can't really have non competes, and federally they're looking into that too. So, th but there are ways to draft employee manuals and letters of engagement and agreements like with contractors or um, our clients that say, you know, this is my confidential and proprietary information, you may not use it, you know, for X, Y, and Z. And that's really important because I've had a lot of people go out afterwards 
and take clients with them or take information with them. And when you devote time and effort to training employees and making them the best they can be, and then they take all of your stuff and bring it to someone else or open up another business, you have no recourse in a lot of areas. Um, other things are, you know, behaviors, policies, like, you know, if we go back to HR stuff, what's your social media policy, um, discrimination stuff, you have to be very careful with these things. Uh, other things, I had a client who sells products all over the, all over the country, and she, they don't have in their agreements that there's a jurisdiction that if somebody has to sue them, or if any kind of alternative dispute resolution like mediation or arbitration take place, it has to take place in their county in New York, for example. Because that wasn't in their agreement, they had to go to New Hampshire to defend a lawsuit. And we have since changed that to make sure that the client who is signing the contract to buy the product agrees to jurisdiction only in New York in this particular county. So my client doesn't have to travel. If anyone happens to sue them anywhere in the country, they know that it will be on their home turf. And that's a really important thing. Wow. Oh, the biggest thing is what happens if someone doesn't pay? If I'm a coach or a consultant and you know we have a contract, a lot of coaches have what they say are their agreements, but they're really just deliverables and term sheets, but no legal protections. Like what if, what's the term? What happens if you don't pay me by this date? What happens if this, if you don't have that language in there, you're just chasing, but you don't necessarily have a lot of power behind you to enforce the fact that you weren't paid. Yeah. Woo. I just got a little like <laughs> anxiety thinking about like, wait. A lot of people say that when they first talk to me because I'm like A and B and C and D. But if you have all of this in one agreement, yeah. you're good. Like you yeah. have the contract is the roadmap to the relationship. So both parties come in. There's what's called a meeting of the minds. Mm -hmm. Everybody agrees to the terms and then you don't have to worry about it. Because if something happens, you go back to that document and you know exactly whose obligation is what and what are the remedies if they don't work. No, absolutely. Yeah. And the reason why I say I got a little bit of anxiety, I, like anxious for folks who aren't conscious of this. Yeah. And then all of the issues, the challenges, the trouble, the expenses that they might yep. have to endure because they didn't invest in that yeah. foundational piece up front. And it's like, I can't imagine having to go through all of those headaches. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So, you know, it just speaks to the the importance of the level of work that you do um, and the dedication that you put into ensuring that these small businesses are protected. Ah, thank goodness for lawyers. <laughs> That's the other thing. And I don't like to put down companies, but there are companies like LegalZoom where they'll draft things, but they're not specific to your company and your mm -hmm. needs. And it's very general. And that's often also... It's very cheap, but it is so for a reason because they're not getting to know you and getting to know what's happening and what your long-term plan and what happened recently and what you want to do tomorrow. And that's, uh, it's, that's where it can get sticky. Yeah, exactly. I uh, had someone recently send me a post for a new like HR uh, company and it was like $99 a month for an HR support. And I'm like, yeah, because you're going to get something that is very generic. They're not going to understand the culture of your business, right. intimate details of your team, you as a leader. Mm -hmm. So, of course, working with a consultant like myself is going to be more expensive because the value that you get out of that is mm -hmm. worth it. Not You can pay the $99, but they're not, they might not necessarily 
give you the the solutions that you really need, yeah. you might get a band-aid. And, and they might not even pick up the phone, let alone anything else. Yeah. 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 So for our business besties tuning in, please be mindful of cost cutting in the beginning might just turn into higher costs later on. I, you know, was talking to in the last podcast, I was talking to my client about this, how you think that hiring someone, it feels like a lot of work up front and you're investing in someone like myself or, or otherwise to help you with that hiring process. But the cost of a bad hire is so much greater. Mm-hmm. So similarly, the cost of doing it yourself is so much, yeah. could be so much worse down the line. So yeah, definitely. It, it's also when you're operating a business, you have to know when to delegate and when not to. So if you try to do everything anyway, you're not going to do anything well, and you're certainly not going to be able to devote the time to do what you want to do with your business, because you're going to be doing all the business affairs, the legal affairs, the administration kind of stuff. And that's not necessarily spending your time wisely for the success of your business. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) There's just so much I can say about that. Uh, you, we should all work within our zone of genius because otherwise, I and that. I'm I'm the queen of paying experts to do the things that I can't do really well because I know that why am I spending my time doing this thing that I'm not yep. an expert in when instead I'm actually losing out money. I'm losing out on money that I could be making doing the things that I do have expertise in by not paying this other expert to right. come in and you know work their magic. So yeah. absolutely, thank you for sharing that. that and it's good to have trusted advisors. That's what's important, yeah. Exactly. Because you're not just running a business. You are producing products and services. And so you have to think about the bottom line impact of all of Mm -hmm. that, right? Yep. For our business besties who are a little bit more established and have some of those foundational pieces set up, what are some trigger points or milestones throughout their business growth when they should consult with an attorney again? Um, I'll answer like an attorney. It depends. <laughs> it depends on the circumstances. If you're scaling, for example, and you're bringing in more contractors or employees, or you're determining whether it should be a contractor or an employee, or if you have interns and you have to follow certain rules and certain laws, if you're going through a new brand strategy, strategy and you're rebranding, for example, um, it's very important to make sure you have the trademark protection that you're working with you know, good folks to help you with your rebranding because very often it gets a little stale and as time passes, you want to be a little updated um, and try to figure out if you've been in existence, for example, for 10 years, are you the same person in the same business as you were when you started or has have things shifted and your priorities are a little different and the goal of the business is different. Therefore, the brand strategy should be a little bit different and you would work with me as an attorney and a brand um a brand mark, a branding marketer, or a branding company. Um, I would help you on the trademark end to search for your trademarks, for example, to make sure you can have what you want um, and that you're not infringing on someone else's, or that no one else could take what you have. So little things like that. Also, very often as you grow, uh, folks bring in collaborators or investors. Very often, the operating agreement has to be revisited. Shares or in- membership interests uh, are being sold for certain reasons, or maybe a partner wants to leave. 
uh, what happens then for the rest of the equity in the company? Who's running what? These are these are kind of like growing pain things. Um, or do you want to create a physical space if you sell things? You know, who's reviewing your lease? Is it a good deal? Um, you know, basic things like that. Wow. And you've mentioned this a few times now, and I've had business besties of mine who have had issues with trademarking or not properly having vetted their business name in the marketplace to ensure there's no competition. Uh, I've also had conversations with other business besties around protecting their intellectual property. Can you talk a little bit more about these areas and what does a trademark do? What does intellectually what intellectual property should business owners protect give us a little bit more insight there yeah, i'm thrilled you i'm such a copyright nerd and a trademark <laughs> nerd i'm thrilled you asked that uh so there are three basic buckets of intellectual property protection in the united states you have copyrights which are um original things fixed in a tangible medium or original expressions fixed in a tangible medium. And I'll discuss that a little bit later. You have trademarks and service marks. Trademarks are for products. Service marks are for services. And that's your branding. What is your logo? What is your name? What services or products emanate from that mark? Um, and then you have patents, which are usually somehow engineering related, chemical, mechanical, things like that. Now, trademarks and patents fall under the United States Patent and Trademark Office jurisdiction. Copyrights fall under the United States Copyright Office. Um, you would copyright something that's a visual art, a pictorial art, um, multimedia, performance, and anything that you want to protect. So, for example, if you have curricula, or if you have language on your website, or if you have particular manuals you use when you're coaching, or you have folks work for you and you have systems of training, those are all protectable under copyright law, as long as they're original and fixed in a tangible medium. So you can't protect an idea. Um, and you can't protect, like, if you just say something, that's not protectable. Um, and you can't protect basic things that are out there, like star-crossed lovers, as a theme, you can't protect that, but you can protect the story that you create around that. Um, and so th that's important. And the Copyright Office, what I often tell my clients is I'll lead you to it, but it is the single most user-friendly governmental agency I have ever seen. It's super easy to register. It's $55 a pop and registration is retroactive to the date of your application. So anything you have that you create that's original that you want to protect, you want to register that with the Copyright Office. It also, registration is a prerequisite to suing. If you think someone has infringed upon it, you can sue it for it. You can get statutory damages if you win, which is way more than actual damages. It could be the difference of $150,000 versus $5. Um, and if you win, you could also get attorney's fees. Wow. So it's very inexpensive, very little bit of time to register, and it's good protection. For a trademark or service mark, that's your brand. So Propel on Purpose Coaching is the name of your company. Uh, you may want to have your trademark as Pop or something like that. Anything that represents you so that when we have your website, if you have a book, if you're going out on tour and you have the brand name, people will know if they look at that, these are the services emanating from that. And therefore, the more successful you are, the more likely it is that someone will want to copy it because they want to draw from the folks who are going to you. So it's really important, um, especially if you're thinking of building a business that you may want to sell in the future, 
your intellectual property, the value of it is very often some of the most important things that a buyer is going to look at. What is the value of your brand? What is the value of your content? And that's very important to protect. And then obviously, if you invent things, um, the patents are very important as well. And trade secrets kind of fall under a lot of the same umbrella. Well, first of all, there's yes. a lot of information. <laughs> no, that, was, that was fabulous. Um, first of all, yes to going on tour from your <laughs> mouth to <down laughs> ears. <laughs> um, no, that was such valuable, valuable information. I was sitting here like, yes, give me all of the scoop. Uh, and again, making a mental checklist of, okay, these are things that I absolutely need to look into in the future. So let's say that a small business might be you know, at, at, a, at an inflection point where they're looking to grow their business, they're a little bit strapped for cash, what are the priorities? So if they want to invest in, a, in an attorney and they mm -hmm. understand the importance of all of these things, but they don't have all of the cash up front to mm -hmm. make this investment, what is the absolute and what are the things that can wait for a little bit later? It depends. <laughs> what do they want to do? What yeah. do they want? What don't they want? Is there a pressing thing at this point? Um, have they been burned? Do they want to avoid that in the future? Um, are they starting, if they're just starting out or if they've been operating as a business but don't have a corporate structure, I would say that is one of the paramount things because of that issue of personal liability because almost anyone can sue you for almost any reason and you want to be able to protect your personal assets. So I think that that's often a very good starting point. Um, and then the protection of the intellectual property for sure. So if you're going into discussions and not even negotiations, to have something like a non-disclosure agreement, which is very simple, or a memorandum of understanding. The non-disclosure says, I'm going to be sharing confidential information with you. You agree not to share it with anyone else or use it. Um, unless we come to an agreement, a, a memorandum of understanding or an MOU is usually we're agreeing to work together. Here's the basic framework. And we agree to sit down at a later time to flesh it out with details. Mm -hmm. A lot of these are less expensive, but they still have some kind of structure around them. Um, definitely, if you're providing services or products to have that terms of service or terms of use and the master services agreements, um, and then, like I said, copyright is cheap and easy and because it's so important. Trademark is not as much in the beginning of a business, I think. It becomes a little bit more important as you're building the business and becoming more successful. So that And that for copyright, I don't think you need a lawyer to help you with. For a trademark, it's a very complicated process and it's more expensive. So I would say you want a good attorney who knows the trademark process to help you with it. So that gets to be a little bit more. Um, yeah. But it really depends on what you need for that particular business. So I can't give you a, a gross generalization. No, that's super helpful, though. And it's fair. I mean, it will vary significantly depending on the, the business need. Yeah. Now, I'm very curious, how possible is it to get sued? And how, like, because people talk about this all the time. And even when I was in corporate, you know, organizations are afraid of getting sued all the time. But I remember in my... Uh, HR graduate program, employment law, reading something like it's actually really hard for employees to sue a company. Like you have to have, you know, critical mass or uh, really 
have experienced something egregious. And even, you know, if, if that's the case, you have to have really solid evidence because you're up against a powerhouse of an organization, has in-house attorneys, they're going to bury you. It's very unlikely that you're going to win. Obviously, that's in corporate, but I am curious, in the small business world, how likely is the possibility of getting sued? You know, what are some of the cost implications there? It, are employees more likely to win? Like, let's say you you hire employees and they, you know, are looking to potentially sue you. Just give us a little bit of, of insight there. Yeah, there's... I'm not an employment attorney, so I want to start with that and say that there are different things. Like if you're if you're an employee in California, you have way more rights than you are if you're in New York. Mm-hmm. So it also depends on the state and what the state. It's a very employee centered state versus some of the other ones. Um, also, a lot of companies have what's called they call it arbitration provisions, which means if there's an issue. You cannot sue your company. You have to go straight into arbitration. And that's also sealed. That's not a public record, whereas a lawsuit is a public record. So there are a lot of different provisions in some of the employee handbooks and employee manuals. Um, But in general, for a small business, people should or or entities should only be able to sue if they do a lawsuit that's valid. Like you're not supposed to be able to file a frivolous lawsuit. Usually if that's filed, a judge will just kick it out. However, um, like my client that was sued in New Hampshire, for example, it was someone who claimed that their product was not working. Um, What happened was, though, that person didn't follow the directions that were clearly stated with the product and that we made sure to put in the terms of service and reinforce back and forth saying, this is how you use it. If you don't use it, it will not be installed properly. And then they went online and pasted defamatory or posted defamatory uh, statements all over the internet against my client and so we actually sued for defamation we countersued for defamation Mm -hmm. case has been settled fyi because there was no case so even though they were sued uh based on something that was not their fault you can still be sued and what happens is they have to then defend it which takes time and effort and legal counsel Mm -hmm. so Pretty much anyone can sue you for any reason, but if you have enough structure around your services or your products, it's easier to have it removed, basically, or have the lawsuits ended. Or what I like to do in the contracts for my clients, especially small businesses, is put in a provision saying, if there's a dispute, we go to mediation first. And mediation is not binding, but it it is a third party who is not affiliated with any of the other parties Come together for a conversation. Sometimes you can resolve it then. Sometimes you can't. If you can't, I say go to arbitration with a panel of maybe three people. And then that's binding. But you save the cost of litigation. It's such a long process. It's very expensive. And it's also a public record. Mm -hmm. So if you do the mediation, the arbitration, it's easier for a small business to not have to go through all the discovery and the trial calendars and wait for two years to have something come in. So that's kind of something. So long answer to a short question, almost anyone could sue you at any time, but if you have your protection set up, then it'll be easier to get rid of it, basically. Yeah. Which is also why it's good to have your your corporate entity set up, because otherwise you have to be worried about your personal assets. Yeah. I think the the general theme here is it's really important to have the right structures in place, ideally at the onset of starting a business. 
So thank you for, for all of that insight, all of those tips, those reminders. Before we wrap up, where can our listeners find you and how can we support your business? Well, thank you. Um, my business is called the Law Office of Elicity Hecker. I am, uh, my website is um, ehecker.esq.com. Um, you can reach me if you want to email me at ehecker.esq at ehecker.esq.com. So it's long, but it's the same on both. Um, and I'm happy to talk to anyone who's interesting and anyone who wants to start something new or has questions about existing businesses. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Amazing. And we'll be sure to add that information in the show notes for anyone tuning in so that they can reach out to you. Lastly, will you do this the honor of walking us through a quick checklist of items that all businesses should have properly vetted by an attorney? Everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have clients who are like, I won't go to the bathroom or breathe without calling you. And I have other <laughs> clients who call me once every two years. It it depends on the business. Also, if you have re- people who have really good business acumen and HR background, they don't need a lawyer as much uh, because once your systems are in place and your agreements are in place, you can pretty much carry through and adapt to the other situations. So I think it's basically those starting what your corporate structure, how are your agreements going to be, what kind of negotiations are you going to have, and then you know the contracts that emanate from there, I think are some of the basics. Definitely protection of your intellectual property, making sure your, your branding is protected, um, and making sure that when you do have agreements, you know exactly what you want. You know exactly what you don't want. And if you don't know or you're not sure, ask a lawyer to review the contract or ask a lawyer to draft the contract because sometimes, and, and I'm not even talking about the legalese, but sometimes there are things that, that conflict with each other, especially someone else may be cutting and pasting and giving you an agreement that just doesn't make sense, but you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what to issue spot. So those I think are very important before you sign any agreement have it reviewed. That's that's probably the biggest bit of advice. Mm, yeah, so so good, Alyssa. Thank you so much for pouring thank your you. expertise into us. <laughs> my cup is so full of legal knowledge. <laughs> thank you for being my business bestie, and also for sharing your incredible superpower of being a connector. So everyone should connect with you because you're incredible at thinking. Who else can I connect this person with? How can I help them grow? It's such a joy to be in your network and to have you uh, as part of mine. So thank you. Here's to you and your continued business success. Thank you. And to you as well. This is so much fun. Thank you. Yay. Hello, business besties. Mil gracias. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you had at least one pearl to take away with you, please pay it forward. Share a link text to your business bestie, a screenshot on social media, or some love in the form of a rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you're a service-based small business owner ready to maximize your people resources, email us at hola at propelonpurpose.com for a free HR consultation. Remember, though entrepreneurship can feel lonely and like a constant grind, you don't have to do it alone. So let's pop.